and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia and this is my co-host Morgan. Hello. So for Halloween week, we are going to be talking about the 1976 Stephen King adaptation Carrie, which was selected by you listeners in a poll of several horror movies, which neither Morgan nor I have seen. So I'm reasonably sure that even if you've not seen Carrie, you probably know what Carrie is about. Both of us knew exactly what was going to happen in this film because it's kind of on the poster and the cover of the DVD, (laughs) which is that a teenage girl named Carrie, who is raised by a very abusive, very uh, religious Christian mother, is a social outcast because she's very sort of prudish and eccentric and doesn't really know how to interact with her peers. And it's about puberty and how this religious mother screws up this girl and her view of becoming a woman, quote unquote. So it kind of opens with this scene where she gets her first period and doesn't know what's going on, freaks out in the school shower locker room, and all of the teenage girls kind of throw tampons at her and make fun of her and it really traumatises her. And um, later on, one of the girls tries to make her feel better by getting her boyfriend to invite Carrie to prom so she can be like part of the social group. But as revenge for getting detention after the period thing, the mean girl of the school sets up a prank where Carrie is voted prom queen and then has a bucket of pig's blood poured over her head, which is kind of what Carrie is famous for. That is like the iconic scene that everyone knows from Carrie. So both of us were watching this film, like we know what's going to happen at prom because it's kind of set up. And even the film, like, although, you know, if you didn't know what was going to happen, it would be slightly surprising. You see the process where this teenage girl and her friends are going to like literally bleed a pig so they have a bucket of blood. So it's not like, it's not like a huge shock, (laughs) but also it's kind of about Carrie has these telekinetic powers, which he then uses to wreak havoc and revenge on all of her bullies. Um, So, you know, it's a good old Stephen King, early Stephen King book. In fact, I think possibly the first Stephen King book. Um, Morgan's nodding at me. Yeah, it's the first (laughs) Stephen King book. (laughs) And it's very evocative and effective, but also the plot doesn't necessarily tie up in as satisfying a way that perhaps a later novel would, although I've not read the original Carrie. But um, it still really stands the test of time. It's a really great movie with a lot of gender issues, (laughs) which I think we're going to kind of start with because the first scene of this movie really is it's a really intriguing intro to a film about womanhood and puberty (laughs) yes so the first scene that's the one that takes place in like the locker room where she gets her period is just indescribable i mean we'll describe it like like, what is up with this shower scene and it's like it's like a full-on like megan fox and transformers shower scene but with sissy spacex is this girl who is 17 and is supposedly getting her first period but it's this really like erotic school showers and we were just like this is not um this I mean, is she's not masturbating. Behave. <laughs> she's masturbating in the shower which a no but b meanwhile there's this very kind of beautiful music calm peaceful music playing over this while there are shots of the other girls throwing their clothes at each other and like romping around in a relatively relatively non-sexual fashion in the locker room but they're very naked and they're meant to be 17 right (laughs) and i kind of like my school we did gym we had to change we didn't have to shower or anything so people did not change in front of each other but the reason for that was that no one wanted to change in front of each other at the age of like 16 or 17 like you like even people who are very confident which like i don't know who is at that age but like no you were not happening so 
One, the idea of all these girls gleefully standing around naked in front of each other is hilariously inaccurate. B, when they're, like, throwing their clothes at each other like it's some kind of food fight, I was like, have you ever met a woman or a teenage girl? Like, that's what? It's like the idea of the sexy sleepover where a bunch of teenage girls are, like, putting lip gloss on and kind of talking about boys and hanging around in their underwear and having a pillow fight. It's like... There might at some point be like a makeover or like people talking about boys, but everyone's wearing like a fucking hoodie and no makeup and like is eating Cheetos. Like it's just not, it's not a thing. (laughs) And it was such a like signal at the first moments of the movie, blaring neon lights, like a man has made this film, a man directed this. And then that combined with the weird, sexy masturbation thing. I was like, wow, this is not what I was expecting at all. Because I mean, and I know what happens in Carrie, or knew, I obviously know in more detail now. Um, And I knew what the sort of themes were also, which is puberty thing. But wow, it was really, uh, it was really something. It's a very interesting contrast, because that, that scene is like very much not clued in. Whereas the film in general has quite a lot of complex ideas about female relationships, some more realistic than others. It's all about how people get screwed up by lack of sex education and discomfort with your body when you hit puberty and that sort of thing. So (laughs) it's just really interesting. And then also like, she doesn't know what a period is because her mother is this crazy fundamental Christian woman who doesn't believe in talking about any of this stuff. So she realizes she's bleeding and thinks she's dying and sort of like runs at the other girls asking for help and they think this is very funny and start laughing at her and then start like throwing tampons at her and this too i was like okay so teenage girls can be very very horrible but i feel like this is maybe a step too far right like maybe some people would do this but i also feel like that's such a awkward and uncomfortable and unpleasant thing that everyone has to go through that even some like pretty bitchy girls I think that there would have at least been like a couple who would be like, oh. Yeah, I was kind of torn on that because you hear quite a lot about how bullying was a great deal worse for kids of our parents' generation. I mean, obviously we have like cyberbullying now, so we've got some really great high-tech ways to be mean to each other. But like you hear stories about bullying from like American high schools in the 60s and 70s that are literally just like people getting murdered. (laughs) So, So I was sort of like, half of me is like, this seems very implausible because there would be at least half of those girls would either be sympathetic or would literally have been like, when I had my period, I was really freaked out as well and would understand, right? But at the same time, who knows? You know, it's a freak school where everyone, for some reason, is really siding with the really powerful, beautiful, mean girl who is awful (laughs) and decides to pelt this poor girl with, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to just suspect Yeah, I mean, you have to accept it. Um, But it was like that, and then also the gym teacher who kind of steps in and stops them. The gym teacher was wild. Yes, what a character. (laughs) That is by far the most dated aspect of this film is the gym teacher because they have this gym teacher character who's kind of meant to be sympathetic and she's trying to help Carrie and stuff. And she does stuff with the students that would get you fired and probably sued within about five (laughs) seconds. Like she's like physically shaking them, like yelling at them. Her way of supporting Carrie now feels like weirdly sensual. She's sort of like stroking her face and telling her how beautiful she is and stuff. And it's like not meant to be in a weird predatory teacher way but now when i'm watching this i'm like this just kind of feels weird like (laughs) yes and it clearly isn't on purpose but 
it feels dated and I also suspect it's like a combination of being dated and again men thinking like this is how women support teenage girls right yes this is definitely how it works it's like um well maybe not totally like this like (laughs) close close right not 100 (laughs) percent so after she sort of like saves Carrie from these girls she goes to the principal and is talking to him and Again, I realized, like, things had changed since the 70s, and I was on a live during the 70s, so I don't know exactly what everything was like. But she says, like, they were being really awful to her, but, like, I kind of understood, because I wanted to be like, like, yeah, like, it's just your period, sort of, like, grow up or something to that effect. And I also kind of was like, I don't, I don't, I can't fully grasp the historical accuracy of this, but this seems like not the correct response to be having here, like what like it okay but like any adult female person at least now i think witnessing that would be like oh shit like this i don't i don't know i mean some people are just assholes but she's not supposed to be an asshole yeah it's the thing the rest of the movie she's presented as being like i mean i was thinking of as like like a weakness thing because the thing that people are really picking on with uh carrie is that she's weak and it's this whole idea where like you know, like when kids pick on someone because they have bad clothes and the reason they have bad clothes is because they're poor and they have a really difficult home life, but they're just picking on someone who's already weak. It's yes. like exactly the same situation. So it's like maybe this gym teacher kind of has the same instinct because she's portrayed as being really powerful and sort of exerting her power in this really sort of alpha dog way over the teenage girls when she gives them detention. And which like a lot funny. of the time. Yeah, which was very funny. <laughs> but then when she's trying to support Carrie... She's sympathetic, but she's also a little bit impatient because she's just yeah. like, well, why don't you just put some lipstick on? Which I think is kind of consistent with the fact that she was just getting really frustrated with the fact that Carrie didn't understand what her period was, even though it wasn't her fault. Yeah, which ties into her mother, who is like, amazing what a character. <laughs> yeah, both Sissy Spacek and uh, Laurie Piper, who played the mother, were nominated for Oscars that year. And if you know anything about this movie, which I assume the most of you do, like, this is one of the hallmarks of the film, is this relationship with her mom, um, who, like, is first shown basically, like, peddling her wares to one of the mothers of, like, the only other teenage girl who's presented as being kind of nice. And this woman is basically just like, how do I get this woman out of my house? Like, yeah. oh my I God. mean, she's she's a door-to-door Christian yeah. saleswoman slash converter. And she is literally dressed like a witch. Like, she wears a cape. But, I mean, yeah, it's she's amazing. wearing a witch costume and also, like, the way she's, um, her just general styling. So I, I'm not really very familiar with this actress's career, but she was um, very successful in the kind of 50s era and then took a 15-year break from acting. So she stopped acting in, like, 1960. And then Carrie was the first film she'd done in, like, 15 years. So people who knew her would have thought of her as this sort of 1950s glamorous siren character. And then the role that she's playing in this, they've styled her very much like a witch. And she's also got, there's this sort of, I guess, societal slash pop culture trope of older women with long hair being bad. You know, it's like older women, you know, you have very, like, neat hair or short hair. And she's this woman who's, I guess, she's probably meant to be, like, in her late 40s, you know. But she doesn't wear makeup. She's slightly wrinkly, which is unheard of in movies. (laughs) And she has this really, like, fluffy, not unkempt, but, like, not conditioned kind of frizzy long hair and it kind of made me think of when um the historian mary beard who works for the bbc she's in her 60s and she's an academic and she has very long gray hair and 
unlike when male academics go and do a documentary program and no one gives a shit what they look like, Mary Beard has had so much abuse for having long grey hair and having the temerity to be on television and like talk about facts. <laughs> and it was just making me think of this whole witch trope where people can't handle it if there was an old woman who has unkempt long hair. Yeah, and like she feels ominous for many reasons, chiefly her performance, which is terrifying, but there is something about her presentation that is sort of unsettling, because you don't see people who look like that that often. She doesn't have, like, a mom haircut, you yeah. know? And the the other mother who she's sort of harassing at the very beginning is so, like, like... She's like a regular... She's, like, drinking a cocktail and wearing, like, a 1970s outfit and clearly seems very chill. But like she's but, like a chill but strict mom. Yeah, <laughs> and like the way that she's dressed and the way her hair is done is very precisely, carefully done. Um, she was also the mom of that actress in real life. Really? Yeah, that's it's the great. actual mother-daughter duo they hired for it. That's funny, but it really sets up from the get-go how unusual Carrie's upbringing has been, and sort of makes you understand, like, oh, this is why she is this way but then you get that even more once you actually see them interacting and she kind of has to tell her mom that she's gotten her period at school and asks why her mother never told her about this and her mother's response to this is to throw her in the prayer closet with a weird statue of jesus with glowing eyes where she is supposed to pray which is great i mean this whole movie is just a story about how social services is flawed (laughs) (laughs) because like the mother is this combination of like the performance and her whole character is so supremely melodramatic like it's just so over the top it's sort of it's like this sunset boulevard character where she's just like massively over the top but at the same time all the aspects of her role like the kind of the way she's abusing her daughter and the way she's raised her and is making her wear these plain clothes and is forcing her to pray and think of herself as sinful is completely 100% realistic to things that happen in real life where you know children have been locked in closets for years and then social services shows up and is like oh shit you know so it's plausible worryingly plausible yes but of course, especially given the era in which it's made, all the authority figures are just sort of like, well, you know, oh, can't can't mess with that. Like, and yeah. just kind of try like, to... no one's looking into it at all. And obviously because all the teenagers are so self-absorbed, none of them have really considered why Carrie might be the way she is. <laughs> right, she's just weird. And then starts to develop these telekinetic powers, which... It's never explained, but it doesn't matter at all. It's never explained. It's just... It's just something that happens at puberty. Right, exactly. Um, telekinesis. Yes. Which, of course, her mother thinks is the devil's work when she figures it out. And Carrie insists that it's not. And you never really... I mean, you're not supposed to think it's the devil, but again, they never really go into it, which is fine. Um, but what winds up sort of happening is that the uh, the sort of one nice girl who feels bad about what's going on with Carrie decides in a moment of true realism that the best thing to do would be to have her boyfriend ask Carrie to the prom. Perfect teen solution. (laughs) Right. Which is exactly the sort of thing that a teenager would be like this seems like a great idea. I don't see any problems here. Perfect. And the gym teacher finds out about this because he asks Carrie, Carrie freaks out, and then Carrie winds up telling the gym teacher. And the gym teacher is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why did you think this would 
be like, are you trying to fuck with her, basically? And they're like, no, no, it's to make her feel better. And the gym teacher was like, please, go on. Like, how does this work, exactly? Like, I mean, it's quite, it's kind of great. Like, the teenage boy is actually the most sympathetic person. Yes. Apart from Carrie, obviously, because part of the reason why the nicer teenage girl is doing this is because she feels guilty because she was kind of participating in the bullying and yeah. is not really fully, like, reining in the evil mean girl. Um, so she's like, I'm going to recruit my boyfriend to, like, take Carrie to prom. Also, it's, like, this weird prom setup, which is just so fucked up, where, like, you can only go to prom if you're in a couple. Like, you have to yes. have a date. Which I've definitely heard of before. I'm sure that seems was really norm. weird to me. In the past. Sorry? I'm sure that was the norm in the past. Oh, yeah. Like, I've definitely like, kind yeah. of heard of that before. And yeah. it's weird, because it's, like, why? Anyway. Go on. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I was just saying that the boyfriend character is the most sympathetic, but is also caught up in the whirlwind of Carrie's post-prom uh, murder fest. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, he's really, he's really just seems like a kind of a nice, dumb teen boy, right? Right. It's a really great performance. Who looks has, about 30. Oh, he looks like he's 30 years old. He looks like he's one of those, like, creepy men who just keeps hanging around schools after he's graduated, like Matthew McConaughey and Tasting Confused. But that's not the character he's playing at all. He just happens to look like he's the wrong age, which is very funny. I mean, they're all, all the actors are not teenagers. They're all around 25. Yeah, it's but... wild that Sissy Spacek is 26 and married, because, like, she does look really young. Yes. And he happens to look like he's 30. So we all age at different rates. But he kind of gets, like, his girlfriend sort of has to persuade him that this... And he has to do this. And he's sort of like, oh, fine. But once he gets persuaded, he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> and and really goes along with it. But it did strike me as exactly the sort of stupid thing that teenagers would do and is what winds up happening. And so then Carrie initially really doesn't want anything to do with it. And then once she winds up being persuaded, she, of course, gets very excited about it because she's never had any normal social contact in her entire life and it's her like one big act of defiance against her mother who tells her she absolutely can't go and she says that she's going to and like pins her mother to the bed with her psychic powers and etc etc meanwhile john travolta has been like killing a pig to like harvest its blood. Fantastic John Travolta role, actually. I hadn't. I didn't know he was in this. Me I had either. no idea. It's like, oh, he's just playing an idiot. So just dumb. a really stupid teenage boy who's being told what to do by his bitchy girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> and they're both just assholes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> they deserve each other. May they live happily ever after. Except that they're dead, so it's fine. <laughs> yes, well, they've been punished for having sex, as is traditional. Yes, <laughs> and, yeah. exactly. It's like she's a sexy teen girl, and she there's an amazing car blowjob scene where she gives John Travolta a blowjob while whispering, I really hate Carrie White. Right, which is like, <laughs> there, are some, there are some logistical issues with the uh, dialogue there, which were entertaining to me. I was like, oh, this has been... Yeah, it's like, it's like there's a scene where she's giving him a blowjob, but you can hear her dialogue all the way through, and he's reacting like he's having sex, but like, right. clearly all she's doing is like talking to his penis while pawing his chest (laughs) all right all right um but yeah they get to the prom really early in the movie which i thought was really interesting Um, yeah because that's the big famous part of this film but there isn't really much in the way of 
plot. Like, not much actually happens. Yeah, it feels more like an adaptation of a short story than a novel. Yes. Because, I mean, it also totally works. Like, within 45 minutes or however much there is before the prom, they manage to really fully illustrate Carrie's personality and her relationship with all the other teen girls. And, I mean, I think it's, like, mostly down to just everyone that gives a really good performance. But then the prom scene is, like, so protracted and a lot of it's in slow motion. Yeah, and I think Sissy Spacek is so good in this movie that you really understand what that character is like. And you only need a couple scenes with the mom to immediately get the dynamic between them. Like, they could have put four more scenes of her basically torturing her daughter in, but that would have felt just really gratuitous and unpleasant. They only have a couple, really, before that point, but they immediately tell you what their relation dynamic is and they're disturbing enough that you don't need any more and in fact if they had done more I think they would have begun to lose their potency or to lose their potency right like it would just yeah it would be too much um, and also because it's like so over the top yeah it's melodramatic in a way that works but if you push it too far then it would just start to feel hokey I mean it is hokey but in a way that's fine and the basic story is really simple girl gets bullied girl goes to the prom, girl wreaks havoc on the prom. Like, that's essentially the whole plot. Um, And then everyone dies, which, like, great. That's fine. But the prom scene is really amazing because it goes on for so long and is, like, deliciously awkward to watch until it turns into, like, a horror show. And then it's also great to watch in a different way. And it's all very stylized in a way that makes me surprised that I don't see more of this film on Tumblr. Because at least half the film is sort of filmed through this like Vaseline haze of soft focus. Yes. And then you get to the prom and it's like there's all this like slow motion. There's a lot of um, kind of split screen action once the murdering gets going. Um, (laughs) Lots of pastel dresses. And there's this great scene where she's dancing with her prom date. And the camera's spinning around them in the traditional dance scene way. And then it just starts spinning faster and faster. And it just goes out of control. It's a great shot. But uh, it reminded me a lot of The Virgin Suicides, which I think I'm sure is a deliberate homage. Or not yeah. an homage exactly, but like I'm sure this was it was influenced by this. Um, I mean, I've not even seen The Virgin Suicides. And I was thinking of that when I was watching the movie. Yeah, because in that, it's four girls who are kept in their house by their crazy parents after having all gone to the prom in like hideous dresses very different type of dress than Carrie wears to this that their mother has made that are like ridiculous but it takes place in the same era and it's a similar kind of vibe going on but ironically she actually is like having quite a good time before the whole thing goes to shit which I guess is necessary right because if she were just having a miserable time getting yeah. a bunch of pig's blood poured on you would still be terrible and but, her date who's you know. apparently the most easygoing guy ever is just like <laughs> being quite nice about it and yeah. then like ends up kissing her which is a bit like well your long-term girlfriend made you do this so now you're kissing this girl but sure <laughs> right <laughs> whatever um and there's a really odd conversation with the gym teacher who winds up telling her about how like magical her prom has been it felt very real to me where it's yeah. like teachers who just get a bit like overly kind of let's talk about my life and it's like yes. it doesn't seem appropriate <laughs> and talking about how like the magic of her prom and how she had like the most romantic night ever despite knowing that she's there with this guy who's dating this other girl and that it's all a sham which i thought was maybe like not the wisest choice yeah i could ever have made but sure what was your prom like? Oh, it was terrible. I mean, it was fine, <laughs> but like, 
I basically, I took like a, um, one of my really good friends in high school started going to a private school like midway through high school. And so I used my extra ticket to get her to come. So it was like her and me and then like one of our really good friends and her boyfriend who also didn't go to our school just like sat at the table and like talked the whole night. We could have been at a kitchen table in any one of our houses and instead uh-huh. like spent all this money at this like like weird hotel in Boston watching drunk people dance on like the other side of the room <laughs> the boy from this other high school was kind of like staring at them across the room it was just like what's go- like what are they all doing <laughs> he also noticed that there was a lot of uh guy and guy action and was like is that like what's going on and we were like i i don't know because there aren't a lot of out gay people at our high school but i guess the alcohol has loosened them up a little bit <laughs> it's like okay great of course no one was supposed to be drinking at this prom but yeah. I had my one and only Irish coffee before going to prom. I was like, this is garbage. And obviously everyone just went to like a huge house party afterwards and got wasted. But I think yeah. in Scotland, it's a slightly different deal. Yes. First of all, our school dances were all Kayleys. So <laughs> it was Kaylee dancing, <laughs> um, oh, which is man. actually a lot better because it gives people a framework to like know how to dance with each other. Yeah. Because in Scotland, everyone learns Scottish country dancing in gym class from childhood. Yeah. So once you get to the point where you can actually interact with people of the opposite opposite sex that are being awkward, you can just dance and you can dance at weddings and it's actually very good. So I'm like, I approve of this thing at the age of 12. I definitely hate it. That's um, actually very useful because we all had to do ballroom dancing in middle school, which was oh actually hell. Like we learned like the foxtrot, which is oh my God. not a useful skill for anyone <laughs> to have. <laughs> this was like... Everyone in Sudbury, you didn't have to. Like, our parents paid some nominal fee for us to do this, but everyone had to do it. We had to dance with the boys, which was terrible. We had to take turns. The boys and the girls had to take turns asking people. You would, like, walk around. There was, like, everyone stood in a circle, and you had to, like, walk around the room to, like, pick someone, and you would just walk in circles. Oh, gosh. It was I think they, I think they had some mechanism like, to like just make people match up with each other because yeah, I don't remember it being particularly awkward. Definitely better. <laughs> and like we did like literally like, the foxtrot, I don't even remember what else. Nothing that anyone would we probably did the waltz also. I mean, it was a nightmare. Because also like, like at weddings, people don't ballroom dance. They have no. like a first dance where everyone awkwardly waltzes, I guess. And then someone just puts on wedding music. Right. So it's not like you're ever at a place where you would need to. <laughs> oh um, my god. Yeah. Great memories. But no. I'm very glad that I did not live in a place where prom was a big deal. Because like prom was kind of a big deal at my school. But it didn't it didn't feel like it mattered. And also like there was just the house party afterwards was the bigger deal. And that was just the same as like 50 other house parties you went to. So it was just like yeah, people getting drunk. I mean, people had post-prom parties, which I did not go to because I was not cool. And I don't drink and didn't drink. So I was kind of just like, this is all not interesting to me. But the actual prom, like, it was not a cool event, but people still got very excited about it. And the thing... So, like, the gym teacher in this movie threatens to take their prom tickets away unless they go to detention. And this is the big drama. And I was like, this is very realistic because (laughs) the senior prank at my school, which a couple of my friends carried out, was there had been some vandalism in the town, which some of the, some kids from my grade had done. And it was, like, a big thing. It was, like, just a few weeks before the prom. And they doctored a letter from the principal on my computer at the newspaper (laughs) so that because they said 
if they manage to find evidence, no one will think you would ever have done this. So, like, this is the perfect place to have... Really like, good team logic. Yeah. <laughs> and they put it in everyone's mailbox. Because, like, we had, like, little mailboxes in our houses in the school. Saying that because no one had come forward to confess the vandalism, they were canceling the prom. And it only lasted, it only worked for, like, 15 minutes the morning that they did this. But everyone was in. Like, I cannot express to you the absolute hysterics that this <laughs> caused. Like, it was it was amazing. And the people who did it also were not the sort of people who, like, anyone would have suspected of, like doing the senior prank either they all went to like ivy league schools <laughs> so it was amazing people were like crying it was beautiful i was like this is great and then of course it was not real but um people get very worked up about it <laughs> like oh that makes my me God. very disappointed about the lack of pranks in my particular year group because we didn't have any pranks but the year after i left school someone in my little brother's year left and i'm not exaggerating here left a decapitated deer's head <laughs> In someone's locker. A, a deer's head. Like, full-on Hannibal. Like, full-on child serial killer. That's, like, some, some Godfather shit. Yeah. Right there. Like, yeah. wow. I mean, wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Wh why? What? I don't recall what the motivation was. <laughs> um, I don't think it was a threat. How would you even respond to that as the... I don't know. I mean, I think you'd sprout telekinetic powers and wreak your revenge. Oh my god. Great. Yeah. Just normal teen stuff. <laughs> See, teenagers are crazy. Like, this is just, everyone has so much going on all the time that, yeah. I mean, only... that's why Carrie works as a teen movie, because, like, when it got to stuff that was getting really over the top, teenagers just yelling at the teacher and you know setting up these pranks i was like this is very real because i feel like there's a lot of um teen movies that focus on the kind of sociological stuff like mean girls where it's all about the cliques but people aren't really like their reactions are not necessarily as extreme as they maybe should be yeah and even though this is like a heightened reality and it's all very ridiculous it kind of tonally feels like internal teen melodrama where everything is like a huge deadly big deal and it's like if i don't get to pr go to prom everyone must die yeah. <laughs> i will have my boyfriend kill a pig and balance this bucket of pig's blood over this which head. clearly like, is something that happens considering the fucking deer head that showed up in some right? water at my school <laughs> my god they just couldn't predict that uh she would kill a bunch of people yeah so including them really great x-men prequel yeah yeah someone should write that fan fiction it's my vote but that scene is so like i knew that scene was gonna happen i didn't know the details but like i i again like i feel like my dad at one point like explained the plot of carrie to me i feel like probably many people have had this experience or a, a similar yeah experience. I, I don't know where i know carrie from but like i knew what was gonna happen yeah but what's so creepy about that scene is that she, like, doesn't, I mean, she, like, walks down the stairs and out of the auditorium, but she, like, doesn't really move. She just stares at mm -hmm. people while this, like, carnage is being wrought around her. And that, I think, is what really makes the movie work. I mean, there are a lot of good things about the movie, obviously, but she's just such a passive presence and has this look on her face all the time of like being terrified of everything 
And so then when she's the one who's causing all of this horrible stuff, she still has this kind of, I mean, sort of like deer in the headlights look almost that makes it even more disturbing because you're like, oh, like she's not standing there like in a sort of like Harry Potter way, like waving her arms around no. and like causing She's just frozen in shock. Yeah. And her eyes are so wide. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Her face is just amazing in terms of like an actor face. Like it's perfect. It's really amazing casting because I feel like most teen movies kind of follow a similar trajectory of there being someone unpopular, right? Because that's the most relatable kind of character. And if it's a girl, like it's always just like a really beautiful girl. And it's not always entirely easy to to like accept because as a teenager, like a lot of that stuff is tied in with attractiveness. Whereas like with Sissy Spacek, who is clearly really beautiful, you can completely understand why she's really unpopular because her performance is so utterly weird as opposed to the stuff they usually use to illustrate that in more traditional teen movies where it's just like, this person has a slightly strange outfit or like they have weird hobbies and it's, no, she's legitimately really strange socially and you can tell that her clothes are weird in a really specific way that's recognisable as like, yeah. oh, here's like an American Christian conservative parents made you wear this smock. Yes. And she has the most beautiful hair I've oh, ever so amazing. seen on a person. It's unbelievable. But it's not styled in the way yeah. that everyone was wearing their hair at that point, which... Even fluffy. Though, Everyone right. had like fluffy hair. Which just looks so bad to us now, but she's not abiding by any of the standards of the time on any level in terms of her appearance. So that conveys very clearly that she's not paying attention to any of the stuff that the normal girls are paying attention to. Even though it becomes quite obvious that she wants to be. She like just doesn't have the capacity to do so because her mother has just so fully messed her up and not allowed her to explore any of this or engage with any of this yeah and, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that um towards the end of the movie you do realize that carrie understands how wrong her mother is yeah like she's simultaneously been very affected by this abusive behavior textbook parental abuse but there's stuff like her mother like refers to her breasts as dirty pillows and Carrie's just like that's not what they're called every woman <laughs> has them and there's kind of other hints her mother's talking about how like Carrie's father her husband uh had been like taken away by the devil and Carrie's just like your husband ran away yeah clearly because Carrie's mother is this absolutely just awful person right but I, what I found really interesting at the end of the movie was that so much of this movie is massively on the nose symbolically to a comedic degree. I mean, it's not like, even symbolism. It's right. actually just like a period. Like, do you know how scary it is to get a period? It's like... Right. Like, you could have <laughs> high schoolers write essays about this film. Like, is it actually be a great film to have? I mean, aside from the fact that there's lots of naked people. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> um, but it's the sort of thing where, like, there's lots of very clear stuff to say, like, okay, this is what's going on here. But it's sort of, you can say that the conclusion of that the movie draws is that the mom kind of destroyed them both because at the end of the movie the mom tries to kill Carrie, Carrie winds up killing her mother and then she brings the house down on both of them and they both die. But her mother tells her before she goes to the prom like they're all gonna laugh at you, you're not gonna have a good time and she does have a good time until they all laugh at her because she's been soaked with pig's blood. And so in a way, her mom is right, but not right for the reasons she necessarily thinks. But 
they all wind up dying and it's not exactly as though the movie presents a compelling alternative for this crazy view of the world she's set forth like the movie's definitely not saying like oh obviously her mother is right about all of this ridiculous stuff where she says no woman should ever have sex because it's a sin like that's absurd but there isn't really a message of like actually sexuality can be positive it's kind of like half of it is illustrating the way that society fucks up ideas of female sexuality and puberty and the other half is like this sort of inexorable apocalyptic slide into doom where it's one of those horror stories where it's more about the inevitability of the end than the message which is like a weird combination that is kind of why it made me think about how it's one of Stephen King's like it's his first book right yeah but I don't I'm not like read enough Stephen King to really be able to say anything further on that because I don't know him deeply but um it felt like slightly unfinished in yeah. that respect. And like not that everything has to tie up into like a neat little bow. No. But it felt to me as though it was trying to say something, but I don't know that they necessarily knew what that thing was. Um yeah. it makes me curious what they did with the ending in the remake, because there was a not particularly good remake that happened three years ago, starring Chloe Moretz and Julianne Moore <laughs> that we both watched the trailer for before recording this podcast. It does not look good, but that movie is not so much a remake of this film as another adaptation of the book. And I'd be interested to know what happened to the end of that film, but we're not watching it. So, Well, it was fascinating to me to just think about that, having seen this movie. Obviously, I was not going to watch it because why would I do that? But just like watching the film, thinking about the prospect of remaking it, right? Because... There are certain things about this movie that you watch and you think like, wow, clearly a man directed this. And it was Brian De Palma. I don't think we've actually said that. Um, And the remake was directed by Kimberly Pierce, who did uh, Boys Don't Cry and Stop Loss and is a woman, needless to say. And in theory, some of that stuff you kind of wish watching it like, oh, it would have been nice if a woman had contributed to this or directed it or you know, what have you. But then there are so many things about that original film that just could never be reproduced. Like so much of the direction, especially in the second half, um, all the prom stuff, but also the scenes with the mom is so well directed and so innovative. Um, but also the performances, Sissy Spacek in particular, and then also her mother, you just can't get that again. And I think I mean, all of these remakes of old movies are just cash grabs, but I could see certain cases you having a more altruistic idea of being like, okay, well, this movie is kind of sexist. I mean, I don't think this film particularly is, but I could see in other cases you saying that and being like, it would be really great if we could do something with that. But I don't think it ever really works or wouldn't in almost any case because... And also in the context of Carrie, it's like they remade it as a modern kind of... It's not a high-budget movie, but it's a mainstream movie with a cute teen star. Whereas this film from 1976 is essentially an art film, even though it was a really big mainstream hit. Yeah. Films were different in 1976. It's kind of like what we were discussing with Nashville last week. Nashville is a weird movie by modern standards, but it was a huge hit. And that's because the audience and Hollywood were very different then. And nowadays a film like Carrie would only be showing in like obscure art house cinemas and film festivals. Yes. The virtues of these old movies, even if they have flaws, 
you can't reproduce them, and so trying to remake them just, like, doesn't really work. I mean, we just had The Magnificent Seven, too, and it sounds like that one, which I also didn't see, and I haven't seen the original, so I don't have any sort of substantive comment really to make on them. But it sounds like it was this one was basically just, like, lots of shooting and explosions, and everyone was like, why? To, like, what was the point of this? And the new Carrie, like, Chloe Moretz plays such funky characters. And Sissy's basic Carrie is like so the opposite of that. And you watch this trailer and it is all so implausible. And they also cast, just cracking me up, Ansel Elgort as the, the guy who takes her to the prom. Who, I mean, is very, I mean, I guess if you're trying to cast like a kind of dumb, nice kid, like Ansel Elgort definitely does come across as dumb, but like it's just the whole thing seems so misguided on so many levels in a way that made me kind of appreciate the original more i was like oh no i realized watching that trailer oh this is what's good about the original like i can yeah. see now because they didn't get any of it in this yeah. film clearly i can tell from this two and a half minute like, yeah. because i mean it like, just it just oh. looks like it takes place in film america land well but also even in that trailer i think there was more telekinetic stuff than in the entirety of carrie yeah up to the prom scene because and the entire purpose of carrie is the stylistic stuff it's not like oh isn't it cool that they can levitate things because that doesn't matter right and that is part of what makes it work is that it doesn't actually matter that much which is something that movies today would not understand like you don't actually need that much of that stuff um which actually made me think of one of I don't watch horror movies, like, ever. We were joking before we did this. Like, I have seen, like, two horror movies. So this would be, you know, a, a thrilling experience. And we watched a movie that is a horror movie, but not in any way like a typical one. So, excellent. But I did see last year this movie, um, It Follows, which was a really low-budget indie horror film. And did have, does have, like, scary stuff in it, but was also, like, really, really minimalist. And it's almost all off-screen and also kind of has some issues of I don't know that the guy who made it knows what he was trying to say if he had anything that he was trying to say about it it's also about sort of like teen sexuality I mean um, I've not seen it follows but it's about like an evil STD right yeah but it's mostly about the sort of like atmospheric stuff and not about showing gross things like you don't really see anything like that and it's so compelling because it's just really moody and like scary in that sense. And I find that sort of stuff way more interesting than sort of having a lot of stuff on the screen, which I think Carrie does really well, despite some of the other issues, like a long shot of Sissy's basic clutching her own breasts, which didn't need to be in this film. <laughs> There's another one where like John Travolta's in the car and like the camera lingers on the other girls boobs and i was like did we need that also <laughs> like no but we got it we did get it indeed so uh men should learn from these things but they don't ever oh dear yeah good movie though on the whole mostly yeah. yes <laughs> oh boy whereas in next week's episode we are going to be watching a film which i don't believe that uh morgan has seen yet but i nope. have and i would describe as less good than carrie <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> which is marvel's doctor strange as regular listeners will know we are both big superhero movie fans we always watch every single marvel movie doctor strange 
is the second along with Ant-Man, which is a film that I would probably not have seen if I was not required to see it for work. Um, I did not see Ant-Man. That's the only one I haven't seen. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll watch it. <laughs> there we go. Maybe not. You yeah. did You did not miss much. But um, no. Doctor Strange, I found very interesting. Far more interesting than Ant-Man, which was very forgettable, but extremely flawed in many, many ways. So we're going to see what Morgan thinks of that. And then next Monday, tune back in to hear our thoughts on Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Looking forward to that, sort of not hugely. I'm looking forward to the conversation more than the film. So that's <laughs> that's good. But yeah, thank you for listening, as always. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It's how we find new listeners. Otherwise, you can find us on overinvestedpodcast.com, on Twitter at overinvestedpod, or on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast. Thanks. Bye. Bye.